0: Rich people love my watch. Zero credits. Die. Slugs! Before I die, I'm going to eat a whole bag of unpopped popcorn. That should make the cremation a little more interesting. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My, my name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and Jen coming at you post election and post depression. Yeah. We've moved past the depression into a manic state of just. I don't know, getting shit done and pretending that the world is brighter than it actually is. Yes, uh, despite our election episode having some pretty, pretty obvious wins and predictions, things managed to go way crazier and way worse than we thought they would. And you know, they, they always told us that our mentors and podcasting, they told us never pick a side. You don't know who you're going to alienate. And boy, did egg on our face. Not only did we lose our only listener, Ted Cruz, but then he went ahead and won the senatorial election. He won the senatorial election, and he wrote us some very pointed fan. I'm going to be honest, it's hate mail. Fan hate mail. <laughs> yeah, he's still a fan. He says that in the in the letter. It's a physical letter, by the way. Yeah, it's a physical letter, yeah. and, it, and it starts out, you know, dear zero credits. Yeah, dear zero credits, huge, huge fan here, Ted Cruz. And then it gets into the body of it where he really rips us a new one, and he says, uh, "Feed me decaying shark flesh." Yeah, and then he just ends regards Ted Cruz, U.S. senator. And there's some more. There's some spottier parts in the middle that we can't ever repeat. Yeah, we we can't repeat them because I believe like a lot of uh, a lot of conservative politicians. If you read their words written aloud, you will summon the being that summons the earth, that swallows the earth. Yeah, Sugar yeah. Shh Shh sh- I'm not comfortable saying that that name. Sh- Shigaroth? It's yeah. It's or, Shub or the other one. Yeah, I don't like saying that one. That's you know, that gets into a lot of uh <laughs> let's talk about HP Lovecraft for two seconds. Let's derail this podcast. It's not how you spell it. It's it's not. Uh now, let's, oh, that one, yeah. Now let's talk about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft real quick. So H.P. Lovecraft, you know, he's uh, he's yeah. a, like one of the the greatest. Hewart uh, Hugh, and Packard Lovecraft, <laughs> yes. Hewlett Packard Love Computer uh, wrote <laughs> some of the greatest weird fiction. One of the most prolific authors for creating a very specific genre of fiction. Well respected, horrible racist, and what a line of printers yes uh maybe the best personal computers now of course uh one of the things about uh how howard uh computer lovecraft is that uh have you ever read the rats on the walls i believe it was called oh yeah that's the one that's like the color out of space yeah it's like that do you know there's a cat there's a cat and rats in the walls do you know what the cat's name is yeah i'm not gonna <laughs> say it yeah you can't you can't read it, but can you believe that that's the cat's name? What what year was it was what 1924 It's still not okay though. So after the Civil War. Yes, yeah, significantly after the Civil War as a matter of fact. Some may was... even say after World War I. <laughs> some might say that. Yeah. What about also as well? <laughs> after when was civil rights uh, civil rights was depending on what part of the country you're in. Somewhere between 1900 to about 1964, or if you're in Mississippi, like 1995. That's right. They didn't ratify it until 2008. Yeah, when, man, <laughs> when somebody realized, <laughs> hey, we never ratified this because we're awful. We never said yes to civil rights anyway. That's All our. Right. Uh, that's well, our. Well, our Dane Howard. Uh, Pulitt Lovecraft. Hewlett Packard Lovecraft. Your your only point about... You brought up H.P. Lovecraft just to say that he was racist and now we're quickly moving away from him? We were him. talking about one of his creations that has kind of a racist name. Oh, yeah, Dave. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> no, we were talking How about... How come uh, there's not one... Okay, you got your Cthulhu. You got your Cthulhu. You got your... Name one other one. Azathoth. You got your Azathoth. a Yarlothatep. Your, sh- your-, your shubs. <laughs> your shubs. Your shub and then second word that we didn't want to say earlier. Your migos. Your migos. ah uh, they're not. Yeah. Why wasn't there one just called Dave? There could have been. You know, just Dave. It, I No one has ever thought of the idea that what if by coincidence one of the uncaring, ultimate gods that existed before existence was fathomable might just have a name that sounds a lot like a normal white person name like Terry. Carl. Tyrone. Bats. <laughs> the god Tyrone. Just some dust. <laughs> uh, it just sounds like a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> the, the terrible dark god, just some dust. <laughs> now, of course, now, I never... I don't like to say this word, but in the name of this elder god, what if there was one that, if you translate its unpronounceable apostrophe-laden name, it's little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> little... <laughs> 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 All of the Wait followers gather on a boat. <laughs> this is just little bow <laughs> and And... All the yes. What if there was a great old one named Little Bow Wow? Lil no, Bow no, Wow. They they go out on a boat and they're like Little Bow Wow, and then he rises from the death and he's like, "It's just Bow Wow now. <laughs> I, I've grown, <laughs> I've grown significantly into a great old one." <laughs> one of the cultists is like, "Are we, are we really summoning a god called Little Bitch? <laughs> is this, are we calling? Th- is, are you hazing me? Yeah." What's he going to say when he shows up and we're just yelling little bitch at him? <laughs> he'll be flattered. <laughs> he shows and up and he's like, guys, guys, it's Bache. <laughs> and then he'll uh, grant all our wishes and take all our legs. Oh, man. I don't get... That's one thing I don't get. I have I have a tangential relationship to mm-hmm. Hewitt Packard Lovecraft. Yes. I have played his board games. And that you are related to him by blood. Yeah, I've played his board games. I have that's it. I've only played his board games. I uh-huh. I, I have a, a passing knowledge of, like, just the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah. I, I am aware of him as a person, the Cthulhu man. Mm-hmm. Why do people want him um, at their party? It depends on which one you're talking about. So let's take, for example... Call of Cthulhu. Let's take for a different example. Because uh, Call of Cthulhu, there are, there are worshippers of Cthulhu, but really they're just crazy. But let's take uh, Dagon, right? Oh, Dagon. Most most famous... I uh, killed him in Witcher. Most famous deep one, really, from Shadow of Rinsmouth. The reason people worship him is because he has these, like, fish-man hybrids that he's been breeding for centuries. And uh, they will give gold to people in exchange for their women. So it's really just like, uh... Excuse me? They get, The fishmen will give you gold? Yeah, because For they live at woman? the bottom of the sea, and they've collected all this gold from, like, sunken ships or whatever, and they realize that it's useful to human beings, and also Dagon's, like, magic or whatever, and can, like, summon gold. I don't think that one's so much true. I think Dagon's much more, like, corporeal than that. But they'll, like, give you gold and give you bountiful harvests because they have control over the fishes? So they give you great wealth in exchange for your women, who they kidnap infrequently, but frequently enough to, like, systematically create manfish hybrids with them. And so they worship Dagon because he's, like, a harvest fairy? Yeah, they worship Dagon because he gives them, like, economic good. But Cthulhu just drives people mad. Yeah, Cthulhu drives people crazy. So there's not, like, a systematic, like... I don't know force of evil they're like yes we're going to bring back Cthulhu it's more like I'm freaking insane and I'm gonna bring back a dark god yeah for the most part I mean uh the work of H.P. Lovecraft there isn't and I might be totally wrong about this but typically cults don't like there's no real evil there's just people who are misguided and worshiping these things and these things for the record do not care about humanity That's their whole thing. Oh. Is for the most part, other than, like, the ones that are intelligent on a human level, like Nyarlathotep, don't care about humanity whatsoever. What do they care about? What are their likes and dislikes? Their likes and dislikes are completely unknowable. Oh. People figure out how to summon them, and then they show up, and for fun, they'll, like, grant a wish or something. But also, they could consume all of humanity and not really care so much. So what do they do they do? They, uh, what's, it depends. Cth- what's Cthulhu's endgame? Cthulhu hangs out at the bottom of the ocean. I, is he not sealed away by other ancient gods, or is he just chilling? I think he's just chilling until he's uh, called, because... hence, the call of Cthulhu. Miracle catch. Uh, yes. <laughs> Miracle catch? Like a giant, like a, maybe a legendary sockeye salmon? It was a uh, It was a whale. Cthulhu's a whale? No, the Miracle Catch was a whale. What are we talking about right now? Recently, and I mean within this year. Today. No, I want to say uh, in within the past month. I would also like to say for the record that we were once again drinking on this episode. And uh, we are drinking uh, Abita Brewing Andy Gator, a Hellistoppelbach, which is delicious. It's delicious. It, it's It was... I want to say it was my first beer, and uh, it is my favorite beer amongst many. Yeah, Andy Gator is delicious. If you can find it, buy it. So, within the past month, October 30th of this year, 2013. Spooky. (laughs) The year of our Lord, 2013, and the year of our Lord, 2018. Anno Domini M.M.X. I, I, I. Aye <laughs> aye. They're within that date released a certain game that you might recognize the title of. It's called Call of Cthulhu, the official video game. Uh really? Yes. It To this year? It released this year. I'd have no idea about this. By developer Cyanide. Never wait, Cyanide? Now, does this have any relation to Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth? Uh, it's a wonderful question that I do not know the answer Because about. Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth was an awesome game that was terrible. This is apparently an adaptation of the 1981 role-playing game of the same title. Oh, cool. So the role-playing game Call of Cthulhu, you know the one where you, you roll all of them die? And yeah, everything is per- percentile based and you should put all your points in headbutt. I know it. Yeah, uh, so they made a game of that and uh, let me tell you, let me tell you what... Uh, Let me just pull up the Metacritic of this game that released in 2018. I really hope that it's as good as the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, which is one of the best simulations of dying of sepsis. Nice, 7.0. No, the Metascore, buddy. Uh, Oh, nice, the devil's number. The devil's number. The devil's triangle. Uh, It didn't do well. Yeah, 69 does not seem that good. Mostly because nobody knew it came out. I've never heard of it. What do you mean? It's been in development for years. Maybe we should play it. Could be fun. All I know is they talk about the Miracle Catch, Mm -hmm. and it saved the entire port. Oh. It was a whale. Okay. How do you know about this? You've never played it, and I've never heard of it. How do you know about this specific thing? I have tangential knowledge of most things, John. <laughs> Every, with things when it comes to H.P. Lovecraft, despite never engaging with them whatsoever, you know one or two things. You'll wake up with this knowledge. You will go to sleep and wake up and be like, oh, this was the cat's name and the rats in the walls. Uh, but having never read it, it will appear in your brain through like instantaneous transmission. I, I've been wondering if I need to go see a doctor, John, for your Hewlett Packard Lovecraft problem. No, it's just I've been having this reoccurring dream where I'm looking out at the night sky and all of the stars are disappearing. Uh, with your with your weird tangential HP Lovecraft knowledge, you might actually have to see a cultist about that. Yeah, what did I say? I mean, an an anac- an occultist. Not a cultist. Do not confuse the two. Wait, who's an occultist? <laughs> okay, hold on. Ann Coulter. Okay, so if you can imagine, oh take Ann Coulter and then a cultist. Between the two is an cultist. Anna cultist. <laughs> Isn't that a th- is that an H.P. Lovecraft thing? The stars start disappearing. Yeah. I mean, the stars are... uh, Should I read? There's evil in the... There's not evil in the stars. There's a vast uncaring force in the stars. Should I read H.P. Lovecraft? And if so, where do I start? Uh, You can get all of his works for free in the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft that you can download on any e-reader. And you can start chronologically. You can cherry pick the ones that you think are the most famous. Uh, I would say uh, read... Color... Nah, not color out of space. Read... Here we go. Reanimator. Reanimator. Shadow over Innsmouth. Shadow over Innsmouth. And Call of Cthulhu is a good place to start, too. Okay. Um. There's yeah. John's official reading recommendations. Also, Yog sothoth Yog sothoth Yog sothoth is a good one. It's m- maybe the most digestible intro to the idea of an invisible creeping horror. I'm pretty sure that's a hearthstone card yogg is all over. The great thing about... H.P. Lovecraft is a good example of what happens when works are in the public domain, uh, especially if they're thematically interesting, because everyone will just bastardize them and put them everywhere. What's super fascinating, however, is that, yeah, his works are in the public domain, but name one H.P. Lovecraft movie in the past, let's say, five years. There aren't any. Yeah, there aren't. Why is that? Uh, It's public domain. Guillermo del Toro really wanted to make... um, And the Mountains of Madness. Mountains of Madness. Really, I believe that... I think that H.P. Lovecraft's work is is daunting and difficult to get right from a theming perspective. So people generally like to take his works and then adapt them into something else. Yeah. Because there have been dozens of movies released on the five years last five years with Lovecraftian themes. But not, yeah, and I was asking specifically a Lovecraftian movie. But also some of it might have to boil down to... Racism. Yes. Uh, No, if they loved racism, they'd love H.P. Lovecraft. What I mean is they don't love racism, therefore they don't like the works of H.P. Lovecraft. True. Uh, But also, if you take something that's in the public domain and create a movie out of it, that's not a franchise. You don't own the rights to that. You can't... I mean, like, if you took Yogg-Sothoth... And then you took the narrative bones of Yagsothoth and made a different movie called Bog-Soboth can have a Bog-Soboth 1, 2, 3, reboot prequel, and you own that. Like people can't reuse that, but if you use something in the public domain, uh, nakedly for inspiration and then turn it into a franchise, much more lucrative. Well, I mean, but Day of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead and all that, and they didn't they didn't copyright that. Yeah, because they forgot to. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, they made a billion dollars. Yeah. Maybe they didn't. Uh, I feel like... Maybe that's the actual point of that story that people remember, that they didn't make a billion dollars. We need to start the episode. We have started the episode already. Welcome to Zero Credits, the show where we drink about beer. Yeah, but normally we have structured content, and we started on a, a structured bit about Ted Cruz... And then that led us down the rabbit hole of Cthulhu mythos. I can talk about this all day. Because, of course, Ted Cruz is a deep one. He is. He's He's a disgusting fish man. But thank God he's elected so that our gold can stay rich and our fish can stay fat. Oh, fuck. Is that what Republicans do? Maybe. Calling you out. I genuinely believe that Republicans are on some Yellow King, like, sacrificing people shit sometimes. That's a completely different mythos, and I need you to stop referencing True Detective. Uh, that's not True Detective. It's another weird fiction author. Yeah, but also it is in True Detective. So I think, okay, it is isn't True Detective. Yeah. The one good season, and maybe the upcoming good third season with Maharsala Ali... Who? The guy who played uh, Cottonmouth. Uh, but most importantly, he was in, you know, Moonlight. Uh, no, I know him as Cottonmouth from Luke Cage. Yes. Um, so I, I, I'd i like to go on to some lighter content, because I know they were talking about something very dark, which is Ted Cruz as uh, an institution. Uh, but I know that after the election, what we have been needing... I think, is uh, like an anathema, not an anathema, an analgesic. Like, we need something to soothe the sting of of not packing the house like we wanted to. We need to calm ourselves and go back to a time. And I think you might see where I'm going with this. Analgesic? Yeah, like a pain reliever. Anal? Yeah. Anal? Nope, not (laughs) that one. Uh, but oh anyway. yeah, I know, I know exactly where you're going. Yeah, yeah. rest in peace. But, no, not that. Uh, anyway, what I was gonna say is, I I believe that something can take heart in, can take root in the heart of someone who's suffered a political defeat, where they yearn for a simpler time, like a cancer. Yes, the cancer can grow in the heart that makes you yearn for when the system was different. When the system was great. Fuck you, (laughs) dude. What... I'm just saying, sometimes you want to go backwards in time to think about when things were truly good because now, you know, in in the long term, who's to say what's going to become of American politics? And I want to go back to a simpler time in the discourse. 1994. It was December and Bill Clinton was getting impeached <laughs> for sexual acts in the White House. It's actually the 13th and 14th century that I'd like to go back to. Holy when shit. Things were truly good. Are you going to talk about... Are you going to talk about your rooty-shooty, no-good-loody cowboy game? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about the cowboy game that takes place in the 14th century. Oh! What? Okay, 14th century. So that's the 1300s. 1300s. So the talking. time of cowboys. <laughs> Why are you yelling at me? Ah. Uh, Okay. <laughs> Why are you so mad, John? No. I wasn't listening. I, listen. 13th, 14th century could be any time. Okay, the 14th century, uh, the time of dinosaurs. The Italian Renaissance was just starting. Actually, so, that might be fifteen hundred. It is slightly later, yes. Uh, but I want to go back to what some people might call the Dark Ages, but I call a good time. Uh, so this is actually a Twitter bot that I've been following for the last few months, and now has my full endorsement. Give, give, give the deeps. Uh, so this Twitter bot is Medieval Death and Medieval Death at Death Medieval. Uh, don't read about it because I'm going to share enough content with you to fill a iron bowl. Uh, so, Medieval deathbot essentially goes through coroner's roles of the 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th century. And it uh, transcribes into relatively modern English a coroner's report of everyone who died. And it posts the interesting ones automatically. That's amazing. Wait, how does it determine the interesting ones? They read through it. Uh, the bot isn't trained to write them. It's just a human being who catalogs them, but then feeds them into something that posts them at regular intervals. Man, we need one of those for our podcast. For for ZCPC. We do. So I just want to go through a couple, (laughs) a couple different ones. And I think that these ones, uh, at the time of this writing, some of the most recent are actually pretty, uh, uh, good for the podcast. So the first medieval death that I'd like to go through is Henry. Uh, son of Nicholas Leclerc, died at age 14 in 1432, dragged to death by a horse, which had been startled by a bird. Fucking horses. <laughs> I knew it. They're, they're, they've always had it out for us, Henrys. It, it was startled by a bird. And... Fucking birds, I knew it. They've always had it out for us, Henrys. <laughs> and Henry was dragged to death at the age of 14. Sad, sad. So, uh, now... <laughs> no, no. Come on. If you're gonna do this... Just slow your roll a tiny bit. Let our listeners have a time to digest the fact that I died at the age of fourteen by being could, dragged by to being death, dragged by, by a horse whor- that was startled. Uh, I mean, by a was birth. I like thrown? Was I like, tied to the horse? Probably. You these, were... these are questions that we can ask. Take one second to mm-hmm. reflect on. And now you read the next. One. I think you had probably tied yourself to the horse like an idiot, and then when it was startled by the bo- by the bird, you were just uh, dragged to death. Thank you. Now, of course, my medieval obituary is much sadder. Uh, John of Brettville, I don't know if you know, but I'm from Bretville. Uh, I died in 1270. I was <laughs> I was assaulted and maimed by a felon while out walking in the peace of God with my wife. Which is a surprise to me—that number one, I died almost a hundred years ago. Yeah, and that I was married, and I was walking in the peace of God. Yeah, that's all surprising facts. So wait, while you were murdered by a felon with your walking with your wife, why would I was just dragged by a horse? Just, I don't like this, but I just want to point out, you didn't have to search for these. Yeah, they were very recent. This is three and eleven hours ago. John and Henry back to back. What yeah. the fuck? Now, Ooh, wait, am I on? Hold on. I might be on the... I think I'm on Zero Podcasts. <laughs> now, of course... <laughs> I'm retweeting them. <laughs> well done. So, uh, Henry de Petersborg, of course... Another Henry? Died in 1345. That was so old. Now this one, of course, is a lot more fun. Uh Slain in the High Street by Thomas de Ockel, aided by three other men. Oh, it took four men to bring me down. Yeah, of course, damn right it did. I'm not weak enough to die by no burden horse. It takes four men and a Thomas de Paine to, to bring me who? Now, of course, uh John D. Rothwell. Who was a at this time I was a tailor. Uh I died my rightful death in prison in 1322. Attached for the robbery of Henry, son of Robert... What the fuck? <laughs> you are robbing me? But I died my rightful death in prison for having robbed you. But uh, did I get my stuff back? Uh, you probably died. This is crazy, because I just found another Henry. Oh, there are so many Henrys. Henry and John are very popular Dark Ages names. Henry Lenning died 1322... His rightful death in prison committed by the Sheriff of Middlesex for dr- Divers' Larcenies. <laughs> divers' Larcenies. So I stole from divers. One thing that you will notice as you read through this, a lot of people die from clerks. <laughs> uh, and I do not know why that is. Clerks are just some angry folk. Clerks murder a lot of people, and you you die in prison for crimes that don't sound like crimes. Now, of course, uh, one thing that I really like uh, is that sometimes coroner's roles in the 14th century included the for some reason the price of the things you died on. That's amazing. So Robert Le Wither died 1305. Drowned in a sunken boat worth four shillings. <laughs> four shillings? For the sunken boat you drowned in. How do they determine the value of the boat? It's tough to say. Maybe does it go up or down when you drown inside of it? This one's really gruesome. John de Hershey That's probably Hershley, maybe. Sure. I don't know. Died 1307 of an arrow wound to the eye. Which reached the brain. Yes. Uh, There's a very specific language to these things. Reach the brain. Someone talked about someone falling asleep and then being burned even to the... Here's another one with that weird price thing. Mm -hmm. And you've probably read this one. A child aged three, died 1304, fell into a tub of hot grout called gruth while playing Price of the Tub... $3, (laughs) Three dollars <laughs> and the of the grout, five dollars. <laughs> we need to sell that grout. We need to sell that tub. I I do not know where the pricing comes in. Now of course John had I had kind of a, a rough couple years between twelve seventy to thirteen twenty-two. Now first of all If this wasn't bad enough, I, John Reed, was killed in 1270 by burglars who struck me in the head with an axe and then stabbed me in the heart. Jesus Christ. That was really rough. But then I turn around, my my luck's getting better. In 1322, I was stabbed and then tied to my horse by an unknown groom who did then rob me and fled. (laughs) A groom. An unknown groom stabbed me and tied me to my horse where I then, I guess, died. Now I get the I get the stabbing and robbing. Why tying to the horse to hide the crime scene? Because the horse is gonna run away. Okay, so uh, Richard Newton died in a pretty interesting way. In 1387, in the close of the monastery, leading to water a cream-colored horse, which kicked him in the left breast. Jesus Christ. That cream-colored horse then later died its rightful death in prison. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm... Oh. <laughs> value of horse, <laughs> five shillings. Five shillings. Value of left breast, one shilling. <laughs> oh. I find there is a certain, uh, very s- simple joy in reading these, uh... Ugh. A child died 1307 being scalded by hot water. Price of the pot? One shilling. (laughs) Why? Why are they selling these things? (laughs) Child murdering pot. Get your child murdering pot. What a steal. I have to get this. People are slain by scriveners? (laughs) What? Scriveners and clerks. They were really angry back then. Apparently. Apparently. Let's see. This is a real staircase scenario. Oh, Henry Frius died in 1383, fell into a bathing pool and drowned. Why would I do... There was another drown that I, I came across that bore me good, good good content. It's really good content. William Webb died in 1366 when two quarters of malt fell from a cart upon him. Malt? Like... Apparently. Like a milkshake? Like a milkshake? Like a milkshake. So that's some fantastic content reading through a series of tweets. Here it is. It's Robert Hendry. Died in 1396 when, attempting to drink from a river, he fell in instead and drowned by misadventure. <laughs> uh Yeah, so misadventure is something that we still put on death certificates. Really? Yeah, if you die by anything other than like a simply... Explicable. Basically, if you died in such a way that uh, you were partaking in an action that led to your death, it is a death by misadventure. So so it's, it's ruling really out an accident, yes. which is something happening to you. Exactly. A misadventure is something that, not saying it's your fault, Yeah, but you had a hand in causing. Yeah, death by misadventure basically means you were engaging in something that you then uh died doing not by fault of your own like if you're rock climbing and you fell you'd like die of a fractured skull or a broken spine or whatever but your your cause of death would be misadventure and and in that way the insurance companies would just flip off your wife and kids and be like we don't gotta do shit he killed himself bitch uh only if it's suicide misadventure and suicide are two totally different things what if it's suicide by misadventure How do you prove it? Wait, does that mean you're engaging in an activity which then leads, without your prompting, to a suicide? You're you're climbing a rock. You're You're rock climbing out in the open. You see the beauty of the majesty in the world and all you can think is, nothing I ever do in my life will ever measure up to this beauty. (laughs) And so you quickly scribble out, I killed myself due to the beauty of the world, and you jump off the the rocks. Uh, Thomas Detlef died uh, cleaning a shotgun pointed at his own face. Suicide by misadventure. Dark content. Dark content, but I I really have been enjoying that bot, and one of the best features, and I recommend that everyone who listens to this and then follows that bot does, if you ever tweet at it, it tells you how you died. Oh, nice. It it will scrape something for a reason for death, replace it with you, and then tell you what your medieval death is. It does that in uh, like a reply or a DM? In a reply. In a reply? So you get a suite of the- You get a little bit of that sweet medieval death bot boost. We should do that with our dumb social media presence. What if we did that on the episode and we took a break for it, of course, uh, and we tweeted at them and then we came back once they replied and said, hey, this is how we died. Or we do it tonight and then in the next episode. Oh, even better. That way there's a hook. There's a hook. You get people coming back. You gotta get them Gotta get them hooked. See, they they came for the first hundred and what thirty episodes. One hundred and fifteen. The first hundred and fifteen episodes. Like God, where's the hook? <laughs> One hundred and fifteen numbered episodes, and then like twenty unnumbered. We're still depressingly not very far into zero credit season three. Yeah, we're only fifteen episodes in. Yeah. Well, we still got thirty five more been, episodes before the next season. It's been like an entire year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weirdly <laughs> enough, taking a huge break for uh, two, like three to four months worth of uh, scheduled content will do that. Uh, now, of course, that is Medieval Deathbot, and you have been entertained Medieval by it. Medieval Deathbot. I like it. I retweeted all the ones with our names in it. <laughs> That's the most important thing you can do with Medieval Deathbot. Now, I don't know about you, Henry, uh, but I've got a lot of content to talk about. I've got nothing, so all I'm going to say is rest. In peace. Who's resting in peace? I don't know. Oh, just re- for anyone. Rest in Are peace. Are we going to talk about it? It's too sad. It's, it's too sad. And is it is, sad? Everyone is so sad. You know what? He was 95. It's not, it's not sad. What do you want from the man? It's not sad. It was expected. He, he was, was a, a human child. He was a great person who gave us a lot. He gave us everything. He gave me basically my entire identity for the better part of maybe 20 years. And he stole so much more. He stole everything from me. My money. (laughs) No, no, I meant, look, applaud him, laud him. But let's not, I mean, he had some rocky business partnerships. Yeah. Uh, And for a while, people didn't even know of the name Jack Kirby. I I wonder sometimes about the things that have been attributed to him. I like that we're not naming him for some reason. Lee Harvey Oswald died today. <laughs> Friend of Jack Kirby <laughs> and the the Jack Ruby. <laughs> oh, Jack Kirby, Jack Ruby, and the Comeback Kids conspiracy theory. Now, of course, who are we talking about? Stan Lee. Yes, Stan Lee. Uh, so it is. It is very much a. Uh, It's not a shame that he, I mean, it's a shame he's dead, but it's not a surprise. He lived a long life. He, He lived a tremendously long life, had a, had a huge influence on people. That was another beer opening, uh, and keeping in Henry's tradition of opening beers like a child, uh, the bottle cap rolled onto the floor and made a loud racket, and then the shopkeeper chased him out for stealing a soda pop. They heard it. I mean, they heard it all. Uh, yes, Stanley created a lot. I don't know enough about Stanley, honestly. Really? Uh, I mean, I I know that he had a huge hand in a lot of things that I love, but also he did not have the same creative power that a lot of people are giving him credit for. Here's the thing. Yes. He started out as like a little, just like an intern in a publishing house. By the age of 19, he was the head editor. Mm -hmm. Then he went to war. Yeah. World War Two, The big one. And when he came back, his job was still there. And then he was like, let's make comics. Well, I mean, they were already making comics. God, wasn't it great when you could go to war and they'd keep your job for you? I know. Now you get sick for three months and they're like, fuck you. Yeah, but he went you, to war. If you go to war, the only thing you're going to come back with is PTSD. Like, the war happened and he just went to it. And fought. There was a little He was a veteran. There was a little sign on his desk that was like gone <laughs> gone, gone warring. Gone to war or gone warring. That's gone a good one. warring. He was a veteran. I never knew that until he, he died on during Veterans Weekend. I did not know that either. Or Memorial Weekend? One of those two? I don't pay attention to federal holidays cuz I don't what, get it. What this them. last weekend? Yeah. Veterans Weekend. Memorial Day. <laughs> <laughs> And then he decided, hey, let's make all the good comics. And they did. With him, Jack Kirby, somebody who made Daredevil, and some others. That's a pretty good story. That's all I know. Oh, but what I do know, what I found fascinating, it was just one line in this article. I don't even know where the article was from. But it said, like other Marvel creators... He received no royalties for the characters he created. I had no idea. Zero royalties. So when it comes down to like, oh man, he's really sliding Jack Kirby of his money. He wasn't. No one was getting royalties. Uh, yeah. Marvel has an interesting history with censorship and just as a a company that existed as a mouthpiece for a lot of different political ideas and different political circumstances. Uh, but rest in peace, Stan Lee. Yep. I have something that I'd like to bring to the table. And it's rest and peace. Right? Because I wasn't talking about Stan Lee earlier. Oh, what are we talking about? I was talking about another person who died. Who died? Douglas Me- Rain. The voice of Hal! Holy shit! Yeah. I I knew he died. So I knew that's who you're talking about. How do you know he was the voice of Hal? Because I read the news. How did you? No. What what age was he? 84. Man, you're wrong. 22. <laughs> that would be amazing. Somewhere between the two. He's 90. Nice. Was. <laughs> oh. Anyone who makes it to 90 in my book, here's what I gotta say. And Stanley was 95. He beat that five times over. Yeah. That's not how times works. All I right. hope to die at 75 if I make it to 90. Great. Why do you have to die at 75? No, I mean, if I die before then, that's a bummer. At 75, I start expecting it. Then you're like, okay, everything else is gravy every year beyond this. Yeah, 75 is like, I want to live healthy enough to make it to 75. Everything after that, I'm like, okay, come what may. You know, scientists have already said that the person who's going to live to 150 has already been born. (laughs) Ha ha ha, I hope it's Ruth Bader Ginsburg or ha, ha ha ha, parks and recreation reference, ha ha ha. Is that not true? Because with the writers of Parks and Rec, no, Long, that is right? true. That's a true thing. Is it gonna be me? Yes. Yeah. Only if you pray to Dagon. Oh, give me the woman. <laughs> uh, so I would like to bring something up on the podcast that now oh, I've no. I've done a lot. Is it rest in peace? <laughs> it is not rest in peace. Oh, okay. Rest in peace, the voice of how rest in peace, Stanley. I in no way want to. uh... Is Jack Kirby alive? I don't know. I know I want to besmirch their memory, uh, so instead I will choose to move on to the most respectful content I am at. I can imagine. So I just want to let you know. I'm going to interrupt your segment with whether or not Jack Kirby is alive or dead. Okay, I'll wait. No, no. Come on, get into it. No, I have to have full focus. Please, because people get into it. Co- no. Get into it. Get the Jack Kirby Get thing into it. People have expected a certain level get of professionalism it. for the things that I'm about get to say. Get into it. Get this podcast it. is way worse when we drink. It's better. Start your content. But then you're just going to say the Jack Kirby thing? I'm not, okay. I, I will. T- we, this podcast is worse when we drink. Okay, so here is my content. And you guys have come to expect this from me. So I would like to give you, after a long hiatus, John's Overwatch News of the Week. He's, a, he's dead. He died in 1994. Shame, shame, shame. Rest in peace. Overwatch news of the week. Are we talking about Blizzard's hit multiplayer game Overwatch featuring heroes such as Tracer and... We're talking about Overwatch. Blizzard's ultimate multiplayer, I believe, first person shooter and i'm here to give you the newest news and the hottest previews for everything that came out in the world of ov overwatch something something seems <laughs> off no it's absolutely right so we uh, look wait here we go we we both. both to recap you john overwatch <laughs> has a long cast of heroes ranging from a british time traveler to a hamster and a ball you you've got the hamster a ball ballo you've got the sa- the <laughs> He's samurai not hammy. the samurai genji you have yeah. tracer who's cute you've got Oh, I'm going to let her know you said that. You've got Dalsim. You've got a great cast of characters. I just want to tell you, we both went to BlizzCon 2018. No, we didn't. And we're here to tell you no, we that, we're, that we... We didn't do that. We and the team at Blizzard are... you not with the team at Blizzard. We're adding a brand new character to the Overwatch roster. That's right. Welcome to the fray. Ash with an E at the end. That's how you know she's cool. Ash is a damage type character. And let me go over a quick of <laughs> 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 damage type character. Let me go over a few of the the hot tips and new features of the character ash so let me tell you what the fuck is this ash's arsenal of weapons makes her a versatile offensive hero she's capable of setting up perfect situation to shoot down dangerous enemies from range or deal high area of effect burst damage to groups of heroes which makes her a force to be reckoned with are you just reading somebody's write-up of ash Her primary weapon is the Viper, a lever-action rifle with two firing modes, semi-automatic and aim-down sights. Are you spreading patch notes? In semi-automatic mode, the Viper shoots rapidly with a high speed. Aiming down sights lets Ash line up precise shots, increasing damage at the expense of speed, which makes her a force... To be reckoned with. (laughs) That's the second time you said that. (laughs) She can turn any situation into her favor with her coach gun. A short range, high impact sidearm that deals big damage and clears the way by knocking back nearby enemies. It can also be used to knock herself back for added mobility. Either to reposition herself for a clear shot or to escape pursuing enemies. Which makes her a force to be reckoned with. Ash's dynamite ability is a thrown explosive that detonates after a delay. It deals damage in a wide radius and sets enemies on fire for additional damage over time. (laughs) She can also shoot the dynamite to detonate it early, allowing her to damage unsuspecting enemies, which makes her a force to be reckoned with. This is what happens when I don't plan content. John reads the blizzard... Write-up about (laughs) Ash. Her ultimate ability, Bob, sends Ash's loyal Omnic companion rushing into the fray, shoving aside the front line to rough up targets in the back line, which makes her a force to be reckoned with. You misspelled beautiful and horse in your status on Facebook. To learn more about Ash, click here. And Overwatch is in stores September 14th. (laughs) What it? I mean, I guess it... what, What? Okay. And we give Overwatch a three. Out of (laughs) five. Time out. Uh Uh-huh. Why? What was that? What's up? What did you do? Why did you do that? I was going... It's a segment. (laughs) But why? We've never... We have literally... Blizzardily... Never (laughs) talked about Overwatch before on the show. We've never done an an interview. We've never done an overview of any of the characters... So let me, okay, I want to give you, like, a little bit of insight. When I was on Twitter, I saw a picture of, like, some silver-haired cowboy lady, and a lot of people were, like, talking about it, whatever, showing pictures, I don't know, uh, like a picture on a computer of a lady. And I, I saw a few tweets, and I was like, what's Ash? And I googled Ash, and now, no shit, every news story that is pushed to me on my news aggregator is about goddamn Overwatch, and I figured, Overwatch is monetizable uh, content that people love. I don't know shit about Overwatch, but I think we should probably get in that lane. So what you're saying is, even though we don't play Overwatch, nor do I know. And ask we- me th- three questions about Overwatch. All right. Uh, so I heard you name Tracer, Genji. That's it. No Hamo. That's <laughs> no Ballo. Shit. All right. There is another cowboy character within the Overwatch cast. He's an American. Mm -hmm. He's a he. Uh huh. What is his name? McCree. Who is he voiced by? Mad Dog McCree. Wait, Yuri Lowenthal. No. Fuck. Matt Mercer. Oh, Matt Mercer from Critical Role. Also from Fire Emblem. Let's move on. Yes. All right. So you knew that. You Uh knew a thing. Yeah, because it's there is a gorilla. Yes. He is a scientist. Uh-huh. Do not call him a monkey. What's his name? Roadhog. No, that's <laughs> a human person. Oh, fuck. This is a literal gorilla. Gorilla Max. Oh, you're the worst. Baymax. His name's Winston. Oh, okay. Named after the scientist who raised him. Winston Churchill? Yes. <laughs> All right, um, so you don't know Overwatch. I I one have one a... of the modes. Push the cart. Team Fortress 2. Yeah, I mean, it's just a reskin of Team Fortress 2 with more buttons. Yeah, it's like anime Team Fortress 2, uh, which is incendiary, from my understanding, uh, to people who play Overwatch, because someone yelled at me at a bar for calling it that. Uh, who do you hang out with? I was hanging out with a stand-up comic at the time. It's fine. Okay. Uh, I don't know anything about Overwatch. Uh you ever run into one of those things where something has such a such a depth in its existence, yet it in no way is important to or necessary in your life? Yeah, I run into that every single time you talk to me about Red Dead Redemption, John. Red Dead Redemption has much less going on than Overwatch. Overwatch, to me, I feel yeah. like... Do you remember Team Fortress 2? Yes, I played it for a, like over 500 hours. Now, before Overwatch came out and became team and made Team Fortress 2 a, a fucking relic of the past. Let's not kid ourselves; it was a relic of the past long before Overwatch came out. Yeah, the second Team Fortress 2 turned itself into this like super weird hat grab, uh it, it was garbage. The second they introduced a literal jar of piss, uh, it was not a great game. Uh, excuse me, Jarati. Everything was downhill from the sniper pack because that's when they realized what they could do. They became the true monsters. Uh, But the thing with Team Fortress 2 is that every, the genuine only thing that made people excited for Team Fortress 2 in a a wide swath of the population was the Meet the Blank series. Because those were like Pixar level in engine shorts that were incredible, had a very unique, very penned-in aesthetic. They were very funny, they were well-acted, they were well-animated. They almost got a, an adult swim cartoon off of those shorts if it weren't for the fact that they're Valve. If it wasn't for the fact that they're Valve, which is a black box where you throw hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then they produce things once every eight years. They make a card game nobody asks for that's more complex than any other card game on the market for no reason, based off of their MOBA that, again, nobody acts for. So, uh, basically, Team Fortress 2 was largely... Now, I was into Team Fortress 2 because I purchased this thing called the Orange Box. Hell yeah! The Orange Box is probably the best single video game product ever released. That was, no lie, my my first real PC game purchase. Uh... I was before that, but the Orange Box genuinely is, like, the best thing video games have ever released in a single package. You got Portal. Yes, Portal, which created a genre of, like, first-person puzzle games with a level of fidelity and creativeness and humor that has not been seen since. You got Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Yes, Episode 2. My bad. Because they never got to Episode 3. Episode 2 was a continuation, so you had Half-Life 2, which was amazing. Episode 1, which was okay. Then Episode 2, which showed so much promise for what was to come, and was just an incredible narrative experience. You got Team Fortress 2. Team Fortress 2, which was at the time, of course, a sequel to the Team Fortress, which was, I think, a Quake mod. It was a Quake It became mod. a standalone thing in the Half-Life engine and uh, was just generally incredible. Team Fortress was great. Team Fortress 2, they took everything that made Team Fortress good, distilled it down into characters, gave those characters very specific yin-yang-like attributes, uh, had fantastic map design, great voice acting, like... God, thinking about how good the Orange Box was and how much fucking work went into it. Yeah. Team Fortress 2 is the whole reason why we have every multiplayer game right now. That yeah. and fucking PUBG or whatever. No. <laughs> no, D- no, no. Daisy and Team Fortress 2 are the two single most important video games to come out in the last like 10 plus. Years. I want to say Team Fortress 2 is one of the, like cuz in the the first few PC games were like Doom and Quake. Yeah. And Quake gave way to, like, Quake Arena, which was, like, the first, like, multiplayer shoot other people game. Mm-hmm. And Team Fortress 2 is like, the pinnacle. It's, it's, like, this is the best you can do with that formula. And then they got into the weird, like, this is how you monetize that endlessly. Yeah, so basically the walk to Team Fortress 2, and this is very truncated, but essentially it's, the, the first major online multiplayer arena shooters were things like Quake, Unreal Tournament. Unreal, Quake yeah. and Unreal Tournament eventually gave birth to things like Counter-Strike. Yes. Counter-Strike created, like, majorly competitive uh, video game playing in general. That turned into things like um, the Rainbow Six games and... Really, Counter-Strike had a bunch of contemporaries, but I think that Team Fortress 2 was the next step in the evolution of what, like, online shooter games would be. Team Fortress 2, incredible. Team Fortress 2 is one of the best video games ever made when it was released. Yeah, it's the perfect, I guess, conclusion to that arc. And then it became... And Overwatch is what happens when you take what Team Fortress 2 did to make the individual characters, and you take that a step further which just overly complicates it and kind of robs the simple, like, just manufacture. I don't know. The equation gets unbalanced. I almost feel as though the the two things that I know about Overwatch that I think it does extremely well is that it takes uh, characters as concept in a multiplayer game and makes that... It leans so hard into it because... The reason why Overwatch is successful is the two things it does right. It makes characters so important, so meaningful to the individual. So you're like, I'm playing Tracer or whatever. So Tracer is is who I am. This is a specific play style. You really get into that when the characters are well defined. And in addition to that, Overwatch embraced something that I think games should have been doing for a long time. Which is, there's no such thing, for the most part, in Overwatch of a leaderboard. Yeah. It is, here's what you did well, and that's it. It allows you to be as good or as bad as you really want to be, and that's self-evident in how you feel. But it, the reason why Overwatch, I believe, is so ex- uh, accessible is they chased away the thing that is really scary about online games to a lot of people, is the necessity to perform well and constantly be measured. Take that away, lean into characters, it becomes infinitely more accessible to everyone. At the same time, however, you, 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 div- you get the same thing that happens to all these MOBAs. You get characters, since you have a cast of, let's say, 30, you get characters that are meta. Because, oh, certain team comps perform better than other certain team comps. So while you have a cast of 30, if you're not playing, like, the eight meta comps, why are you even playing, becomes this weird, toxic community. You know what you didn't have in Team Fortress 2? I played that game for years. Never in my life did I run into a toxic community. Yeah, I think that there, there maybe wasn't a potential for a toxic community, but I think that, I don't know, online games are just garbage now. Well, I, I think it comes with this ranking thing. We got obsessed with competitive. We got obsessed with you got to go up these tiers and you get little badges and stars and that unlocks cosmetic rewards. And and, and, and it's, uh, to what end? Yeah. If you're not professional, if you are a casual player, as in you're not getting paid to play, why does ranking matter at all? It it shouldn't. I think that I think that what Overwatch tried to do is the model that Team Fortress 2 eventually got is fuck around get hats. Fuck around get hats was the best model. you could even the best part about Team Fortress 2 was that you could you could play on custom servers. They they just released like all of their map tools. And they let servers do like custom rule sets. Mm-hmm. so low gravity and and every every hit is a crit. And so you could just fuck around with the, like the, the the physics engine they built mm-hmm. around the game and find creative ways to kill people. Yeah. and at the same time you're still getting the official rewards from the hat server gods. But then you get Overwatch and it's like you gotta level up to get a stupid hat. And it's not even a hat. It's a skin. It's an emote. It's a spray. Who cares? And I mean, all of that really fell out of Counter-Strike for the most part. But I mean, eh, whatever. Online multiplayer shooter games are not my strong suit anymore. And Play they never, Fortnite. They never will be again. Fuck Fortnite. What's Fortnite? All the kids are playing Fortnite. We should. You should have done that Overwatch thing. You should have done a Fortnite yeah, what if we did like a Fortnite stream? It would probably be hilarious. We're very bad at video games. I used to. Uh, I'm great at video games. This is a this is a weird. I challenge you one on one, Civ Six. Let's go. Uh, this is a weird semi brag. I used to be very. Uh, I don't know. That sounds weirdly brag. I used to be relatively good at online shooter games and played them a lot in the tune of like six ish hours every day. I mean you and everybody else who grew up in the nineties. Yeah, I was a very good relatively competitive Counter-Strike player for a while. Why Uh, would you? And I was also really, really good at Unreal Tournament. Uh but but eventually that all that stuff was like bred out of me. And I stopped being interested. I was chased away by toxic communities and honestly the thing is the older you get the worse you get at that shit. Your brain becomes less elastic. You're less able to adapt to change. So t- n- now I just play slow video games about solving puzzles and shooting horses. What to time I hear blue like ninja. Oh, uh, fucking Rick and Morty ninja logic. Every single time I read about anything that's going on in the world of video game streaming, that shit seems like the worst possible avenue of entertainment on earth when i and it's only the stuff that bubbles to the top and i understand that there's a little bit of survivorship bias there there are good stream there are decent streamers but i don't i can't believe we're going to talk about this there's a weird thing that happens to streamers i i followed a streamer from his unpopularity to being one of hit constantly hitting one of the most viewed channels on, on Twitch. And it's, of course, Jacksepticeye. I don't know who that is. is That's that the, one streamer that I fucking Is I'm that the out. Irish guy? Uh, I follow a games journalist who retweets him sometimes. I don't know who that is. I'm talking... Because he, he doesn't make a lot of waves. Still, to this day, even though he's one of the most watched. His name's Moon Moon. Mm. Have you heard of Moon Moon? We've discussed Moon Moon on the podcast before. I like Moon Moon. M-O-O-N. That's how you spell Moon Moon. That's a Stephen King reference for anyone out there who reads books. I read books. I'm reading, John, I'm reading your girlfriend's John Hunt. That's where book. my book went. Is Sorry. that your book? It is. It's really good. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, Vacationland's a great book. When I finish it, we need to talk about it on the podcast. But Moon Moon, I watched him since he was but a wee lad in his parents' room. And now he's in an lavish mansion. He is. He bought his own house in California. He drives a Tesla. Great. And what's re- what's really happened to him over time? He used to just... he, he Like, I've seen streamers talk to chat. And the, they treat the chat like they're beneath them. He used to t- treat ch- a ch- the chat as equals. But now he's become jaded and cynical. And the chat is like... He, half of his stream is just him saying, You're wrong, chat. You're stupid, chat. You don't know what you're saying, chat. You're 12 years old. He's become like everyone else. I... Let's stream. Let's get famous. No. Uh, so, streaming video games is something that... Honestly, this is going to make me sound old. And I am older than you by like a year or two. What, you're like 47? Something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm only 45. Uh, but I'm like two years older than you. And honestly, I, I, I don't think this is like a generational gap. I don't think that my generation stopped doing this... We're the same generation! You're right. I don't think people my age stop doing this all at the same time, but honestly, like, the watching of people streaming video games is something that I tuned out of. Like, I don't... Every time I've encountered it, I have not enjoyed it, and I don't do it. I don't like the dynamic of someone pottering around and talking to chat. And I understand that, like, I've seen, like, VODs of people who do really incredible things. I've seen compilations of these people, and that seems like engaging content. The idea that you can sit there and watch someone for hours and watch the true magic of video games, which is just systems unfold. Yeah. That sounds really magical, but I've never had the time or the patience. When I was unemployed in Red... Not Red. Resident... Dead e- Redemption? <laughs> Resident Evil 7 came out. Yeah. Welcome to the family. Yeah, welcome to the family. When I, th- that's when I discovered Moon Moon, basically. Because mm-hmm. I would, I and at, it was the only time when I really, like, I'm going to sit down and watch someone play through a game that I know for a fact I would never play. Yeah. I can't stomach the horror genre. Re- I've tried to play Resident Evil before. I got to the village, and I honestly couldn't handle the fact that I couldn't move and shoot at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, it on, a, on like a level that my nerves were like, f- they were doing fight or flight. In the physical world. Yeah. So I knew I wasn't ever going to play this game, but I kind of wanted to experience it. So mm. I watched someone else play it. Yeah. I, I can see that to some degree. Like the, the idea that you can, for an experience that you yourself can't stomach for one reason or another, watching someone else do it. I mean, I've watched people play video games. Like I'm a particular fan of certain like channels of people doing that. But just Many a true nerd. What? I'm oh, sorry. It's a British guy who plays a lot of Fallout stuff. Never. Oh, uh, no. I just watch YouTube videos sometimes of yeah, people he, playing video games. I, I've been known to watch a highlight reel or two. Northern Lion. And he plays uh, Binding of Isaac. That's all he does. I watched a couple hundred episodes of him playing Binding Me too. of Isaac. But see, that uh, was a also, different that was a different instance because I was playing the game too, and he through his, just ramming his head over and over again against the wall that is that game, taught me how to play. I, too, was unemployed and in college and wanted to become a binding of Isaac Speedrunner. Or, like, a, tri- like a actually good person. I've never drank played, three of these in one night. I played that for a very long time. Uh, you realize this is 8% by, by volume. Yeah, no, I get that. These are heavy. Yeah, they're good beers. Oh, God, we're gonna die. I'm good. I just opened another one. We don't have enough time for me to finish it. We don't. Uh, We have precious limited time. Uh, And we've really... Have we even set... Okay. We've devolved into talking about streamers. When we set... This is the worst episode of the podcast. It's not. What is the worst episode of the podcast? Uh, Has there ever been an episode where I'm not on it? (laughs) Because that's probably the worst one. Hey... Jesus Christ. When we sat down to record this episode, you no doubt had some goals in mind for the episode. Mm-hmm. Have we hit those goals? We hit two. We hit well, Wanna talk about medieval deathbot. We hit that. I want to talk about the introduction of Ash, the damage type character, into Overwatch. Which put us on this huge <laughs> yeah. crazy path talking about streamers, which is fine. Who is Bob? B-O-B? Yeah. He thinks the earth is flat. No! That's a human person. He put out uh, that whole album. No, 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 no. We did... uh, It's weird that you mentioned that, because we did get into a fight with some flat earthers on Twitter. But I don't want to talk about it. Ash was in... She was introduced with someone named B.O.B. I thought... Apparently her ultimate ability is a robot with a mustache. Nice! Nice! The only other thing I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to talk genuinely about, and there is not time for it, uh, and honestly, I think that maybe I don't have the room to discuss such a thing because I haven't finished it, but it's more video game shit because I wanted to talk about the themes of Red Dead Redemption 2. I say, put that off for maybe a week or two. Or at least until I finish the story. Yeah, that's what I mean. Can you finish the story in a week or two? Do I have 60 hours? No. Uh... Because here's the thing. We don't do things for clicks. Uh, that much is obvious. We've been we, doing this shit for three years and we've got one listener who just left us with a genuine desire for fetid shark meat. I still I feel like he's going to keep listening. But so he's we don't, a little piss pig. He we, loves it. <laughs> we don't do uh, things... Ted Cruz, just to be clear, I don't want any of the listeners to have the wrong idea. Uh, Ted Cruz, uh, we're doming him pretty hard. Is that one of those negging things? No, it's... uh. So he is our submissive. Oh, it's a BDSM. Are, yeah, yeah, so we are pod-doming him in that he must listen to our podcast. Have you ever heard of dom? Yeah, it's financial domination. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm aware How of it. How do I get into that? Do you want to be on the receiving end or the giving end? Whatever one gets me money... That's the end I want to be on. Honestly, I feel I'm, like my career at this point is basically controlled financial domination. Probably. I, we can't talk about what you do, but yeah. You can't. <laughs> um, That's a fucked up thing. Oh, my brain just went in so many directions. John... You missed, your, you, that, that boat has sailed for yes. you. To talk about Red Dead Redemption No, 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 no. Okay, no. The Dom thing has sailed <laughs> oh, for you yes. when you weren't born a life, nubile young woman. Yeah, I was born lithe and nubile, but I was born old and male. All right, so the Red Dead Redemption thing. I was saying, we don't do things for clicks. Therefore, we can talk about that whenever you're ready to talk about it. True. However, just know I'm going to be completely renaxionable reactionary. Yeah, I mean I almost feel like it's not a, it's not really a conversation worth having at length because I like the themes uh, I feel like that game is uh, basically like the world's most successful Punch and Judy show in that it has tremendous themes and a tremendous story and what the story it's actually telling is incredible but it's told with ridiculous puppets Okay. Uh, Was that the lamb? What? What? No, that's Lamb Chop. Lamb Chop. Punch and Judy is a violent puppet based show that. Oh, with the bats. With the bats. That's From Pun- Gone Girl. That's. Well, sure. Uh, Punch and Judy is like a much older thing than that, but I believe it's in Gone Girl as well. Uh, but no, that's how I feel about Red Dead Redemption 2, and we may talk about it sometime. I feel like we should, because it's obviously a cultural force. It's obviously. It's been on the zeitgeist's mind. So it might be worth looking at from a critical angle. The only problem with video games is they take so goddamn long to play. Yeah, uh, if you could... I'm playing through two video games right now, and they're both staggering in length. I just play Civilization VI. And if you could just make... I want every video game, not in its construction or its approaches to gender uh, politics, I want every game basically to be Until Dawn. It takes... About six hours to finish it, and you can play it again. That's basically all I want. Other than the fact that Until Dawn is like a really gross hackneyed story, uh, please don't tell me we're ending a podcast with you having hiccups. I need to bring lower alcohol content beer. That is a fucking cartoon stereotype, and it's not fair. People do not get hiccups when they're drunk. I'm so mad at you right now that they're gone. Alright. The problem with video games is that they're they're a medium that takes a really long time. Yeah. like it, You can talk about a book or a movie or a TV show because they are of one cohesive unit. Everyone who reads a book or watches a movie or a television show, they're experienced to the same scripted media. Yeah. A video game, especially one like Red Dead Redemption 2, it's so open to you. At certain points. That anything can happen in any order. It, it's harder to get a uniform experience across. I don't know how reviewers review these games. Uh, they, like, mainline the story, and that's it. But even then, Red Dead Redemption story is 60 hours long. You have yeah. to do nothing but that to get that review out. At an extremely conservative estimate, I have been playing this game for 24 hours. I'm 38% done. I'm about halfway through the story, at a very conservative estimate, to just mainline the actual narrative core of this video game, which costs hundreds of, I mean, tens of millions of dollars and thousands and thousands of man-hours to create, uh, 60 hours. Yeah. No one is going to ask her if you were to sit down and watch a 60-hour movie. So no. to examine the themes of a video game, keeping in mind that your experience with a video game has so many different factors to make the experience completely different that it it's impossible. Like, video game critiques, writ large, are a miracle that they exist in any level of uniformity. And, and on some surface level, they're completely and utterly useless. They're I... Most of the video games that I've enjoyed the most have had very bad reviews. Yeah, because you have poor taste. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes, like, games like The Stanley Parable, which is one of my favorite video games of all time... A reviewer would look at it and say, "What is there to review?" It's. I like games that are dumb and stupid and play with narrative. They're not fun. I they're they're not fun, and I mean movies are. And we can't like have an indictment of video game critique it's, on this podcast. Well, no, but. it's like, okay, reviewing being John Malkovich for the average movie moviegoer. You can't recommend it because it's it's an absurd concept, that borderline stupid. But generally speaking, it's a highly regarded film. Because it's so great. Because it's so great and it plays with themes so well and it plays with perception. Uh, so that's honestly... It's like rubber. No one reviews a book for how fun it is to read. Are you serious? Sure. Sure. I mean, I I think that past a certain point, you can review a book for how fun it is for your eyes to move from word to word. Yeah, reading's completely different from video games. But for the most part, like, adding interactivity into it, you, you have to say, like, how fun it is in the moment. It's like, there are things that exist in the realm of video games that are high fucking art, but are a pain to play. Yeah. So... And like I said, I can't we, we can't do an entire indictment of video game critique as... I can. We don't have enough time. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, we if we had a multiple episode series where we solved video game critique, we absolutely could. But honestly, who's got time for that? Certainly not the reviewers who are reviewing. They got deadlines to meet. Absolutely. Oh, man. All of our episodes lately, I don't know if you've noticed this. We used to hit an hour, like... Pretty much on the nose, and now we go long. We've been giving them some lanyap, which culturally I'm okay with, mm-hmm. and also I don't think anyone cares. Yeah, I mean, more episode the better. If I if there's a podcast that I loved. Theoretically, if it were this podcast, it is not. uh, I would be very glad. You hate our podcast? No, I don't hate our podcast. It's just I never listen to it. It's like when Troy Lavalley to break our cardinal sin. You can't talk about podcasts. No, 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 no. It's like when... No, 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 matter how many beers you've had, we can't break the one fucking rule we have. To break the cardinal the cardinal. You can't. It's like when Troy Lavalley says... Okay, yeah. You broke the one rule we had. Fuck rules. To have a simile. Great. You know, you know what I'm gonna do? Yeah. Recommend a <laughs> podcast every episode? No, I'm gonna bleep all of it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bleep that out. That'd be great. Please edit out the part where you said what you're gonna do. Uh, nope. <laughs> So since we're talking about the length of the episode... My, we should probably wrap it up. And you know how we wrap it up? My my strong inclination is that the podcast is at an end. Henry is deep in his cups. He has melted into the couch. Uh, so, my couch is also melting onto the floor. Uh, so it's like a Dali painting. Oh, my favorite. Do you say Salvador Dali or Salvador Dali? Salvador Dali. If you want to send us a Twitter, you can do so at zcpcwhj. On Twitter.com, which what? stands for Henry. Why did you pause? I genuinely wanted to say ZCPCWHJ.com, which is a ludicrous notion. Uh, but if you want to send us an email, something long form, if you want to send us uh, your own uh, Madeline esque uh, recounting of the past, Proust like, you can do that to zero credits. Is a podcast at gmail.com. The little French girl? La recherche de. Wait, hold on. Let's take a break in the social media to ponder this out. You've read Proust. Proust. Uh, name one work. In Search of Lost Memory. No. Uh, so, In Search of Lost Memory, I believe the French is Le Recherche de Tomps I don't know. Anyway, if you want to send us a, a ludicrous thesis... On a dessert you ate one time and how it made you think of your mom, you can do so at ZeroCreds as a podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching Zero Credits Podcast in the Facebook search bar. And I will say, given what we talked about today, we burned half the episode talking about it. We may stream something in the future. So if you're someone who is
1: uh, you know interested in
0: stream, Jesus Christ, Henry. You know what we should stream. It's an interesting experience because no matter you know how vampires live forever and they watch their friends die. I have an interesting experience because no matter what, since I am a relatively heavy individual, no matter how much I drink, everyone I drink with is about twice as drunk as I am. <laughs> anyway, what should we stream? Hitman Two. Blood Money? No. No. no, no Silent no. Assassin. No, the new one. Oh. The first Hitman... The new one. ...game of the year. I have not bought Hitman 2. Hitman 2. We should stream it. Hitman 2... Or 1. I never played 1. I have it. But you have it on, like, PlayStation? No, stream. (gasps) Yeah, no. Hitman is game of the year. I really want to stream. Hitman's incredible. I want to be Moon Moon. (laughs) Uh, We will be Moon Moon. Uh, You can find us on Twitch.tv by searching for, well, entering into your URL search bar, into your Bing, into your Ask Jeeves, or your Lycos. Twitch.tv slash zero credits. It's been a while since I plugged that. I believe that's correct. Okay. Twitch... TV, TV slash zero credits. That's, why would you ask me if you knew it? <laughs> I'm just asking you if that's correct. That's what I know to be true. I don't even have the excuse this week that I have an empty stomach. I had that last week. I have a stomach full of rice and a bunch of beer. I have a stomach full of Wendy's. Anyway, twitch.tv slash zero credits. You Fresh can watch never a frozen. stream. Uh, you can of course find us on Spotify now, which if you search for zero credit, open parentheses, S and parentheses, 40 listens. Nice. We've gone up. If you listen to our podcast, you can enjoy all of our content just through the cumbersome Spotify app. And indeed, Is it cumbersome? in addition to cumbersome apps, you can listen to us on Apple podcasts by searching for zero credits and liking commenting subscribing sending us money on Patreon we don't have a Patreon you know we could get a buy me a coffee pretty easily I don't know what that is it's like Patreon but one time I don't know what that is so if you could uh, if you could go to iTunes we don't have the listenership if anyone listening to this loves no one's If anyone loves us enough to comment on our iTunes, rate us five stars and leave the one comment that just says Patreon, uh, that will let us know that you're willing to uh, pay us money. In addition, in addition... What's new? And most importantly... Oh. Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive, so please tell your friends, tell your loved ones, tell your various... Uh, school clubs that you're part of that zero credits is the best podcast on earth and indeed the only podcast on earth anything they've heard to the contrary is indeed a myth. And that was the part where you seamlessly enter into the picture. And is then it, really, it always seems forced. You mean the denouement of the entire podcast. The (laughs) demouna. The thing that we've been doing for a hundred episodes where you semi-cut me off at the end of my iTunes and word-of-the-mouth thing and then end the episode. That's forced? The thing we've been doing for a hundred episodes? And from everyone here at the Zero Credit Studio apartment, we want to wish you a very happy... Rest in peace, Stanley. I want to renegotiate my contract. There's no contract. Fuck! Do I say bye? Bye! was a train wreck